they can be on infinitely reconfigured and rearranged. And I'm interested in the political affordances of this inherent instability and the variability, the scalability of data objects and how they may operate as a source of agency, of power and effectuality in their own right. And so basically the argument that we're trying to make can be summarized something like this. Digital flows, digital objects, are productive of distinct social and moral orbits. They encode, lift and embodied experience along registers of visibility and legitimation that at the same time fix and objectify historically grown and contingent social relations, while at the same time also transforming them and changing them into new deri derivative forms. Digital methods, in the sense, never simply show or depict or represent social situations, but fundamentally change them by adding a new layer of materiality to a physical environment that changes how objects, designs, buildings, and communal spaces are experienced, remembered, evaluated, imagined, or rebuilt. And what I'm interested here is this particular ambivalent potential. At the one time, its uh, maps can be very empowering by bringing things into view that have remained invisible, and at the same time, they may spark off economies of value and meaning that develop rather self-destructive potentials that effectively harm communities against the initial intentions that uh, projects of digital mapping may have entailed. And so digital conversion, in the sense, always includes both new forms of control and containment, while at the same time opening up lines of resistance and escape. Um, and to understand the political significance of these digital materialities, I want to take you to uh, something that you are rather familiar with. I think it's important to look at this very fragile legal architecture we are actually dealing with when we are uh, speaking about the digital mapping of a refugee camp. The concept of ownership in humanitarian settings is what you can call a vacant signifier. It's vacant because refugee camps do not really belong to anyone or to no one in particular. In the Palestinian case, they are built on private land rented by UNRWA, who uses it to provide shelter, education and health care for Palestinian refugees. UNRWA, nonetheless, is not the legal owner of these homes and in many cases has simply overtaken or taken over structures uh, originally built by the Red Cross uh, shortly after the arrival of the first refugees. Yet these structures have continuously been improved and extended over time, uh, partly with donor funds, but mostly through the investment of the refugees themselves. Um, I'm sure I don't know how much you've seen, but in al uh, as most of you know, people have started to expand their homes, first, vertic uh, first uh, by building up additional floors, but then also by gradually buying up land in the immediate vicinity of the camp and building uh, on these uh, newly purchased lands uh, with savings they have been able to accrue over time, building their own private residences. Um, the problem was, of course, that large parts of these buildings were built on land purchased uh, on, on, on the basis of informal sales contracts or a mere right transfer by power of, of autonomy. Uh, so we are dealing with, by and large, informal sales contracts or buildings uh, that have been constructed in, in violation of existing building codes and zoning laws. Uh, so most of these buildings were never registered with the Lebanese state and therefore escaped the radar of the law. No one paid taxes, that was one of the advantages, but also no one received government services because there was an unspoken agreement between uh, the refugees, UNRWA and the Lebanese state that the state remains out of the internal affairs of uh, uh, the camp um, 
of camp settings, while at the same time uh, uh, the state outsourced all social responsibility uh, in exchange to UNRWA or the refugees themselves. The war of Nahal Barat, uh, of course, has, all these, has called these informal arrangements into question. The Lebanese government has made its approval of the camp reconstruction dependent on the claim to exercise full sovereignty uh, and full sovereign authority over the camp. And yet it was only willing to enforce the sovereignty partially uh, in, in terms of exercising full control in methods of, of law enforcement and policing while leaving the social responsibility and the reconstruction of actual refugee homes uh, to UNRWA itself. Uh, yet inside UNRWA's own mandate area in the historic core of the center, um, UNRWA had committed itself to effectively rebuild these homes and, and started to collect donor money, yet as I said before, it was only uh, able to secure only half of the funds, uh, and basically, uh, which basically left it in a position where it was fully committed to rebuild these homes, and yet again, there was no legal framework available for the refugees to actually enforce the right. You, as a refugee, you do not, do not have any, any legal mechanisms available for you to enforce any institution in this world to rebuild your homes. You are always dependent on the, on the fluctuating economy of available donor money and of the goodwill of host nations or, or the welfare agency in charge of your faith. The fact that people never either had no formal title deeds or no legal mechanisms to, to, uh, that granted them uh, access to UNRWA housing, of course, didn't prevent the refugees from, from considering themselves as rightful owners of these homes. And yet, they were left without any legal mechanisms to enforce these claims. And it's here, uh, at this critical juncture, where the property database and the mapping uh, exercise uh, in Nahal Barat uh, became of utmost political significance. It added a critical new layer of materiality to the historically grown camp space in which claims that have only been implicit or invisible or un uh, and that were by and large unrecognized by state and international law to render such claims of ownership explicit and into actionable social contracts that allowed the refugees uh, to enforce claims of entitlement and claims of need. The digital maps and property records in this sense are argue function similar to the financial derivatives in the regularized stock uh, markets. It provided a set of tactical instruments to mediate risky and volatile behaviors in highly unpredictable and chaotic circumstances. Derivatives, just to explain it a bit more, in a most general sense, refer to forms that are derived from a source other than the object in question. In the world of finance, they are used to dismantle commodities such as oil, natural resources, into individual attributes that can be traded without trading the commodity as such. So, for example, instead of trading actual oil or minerals or any other resource, what is traded is the availability or the price of these commodities in the future. Um, and, and by this future orientation, uh, traders are able to contain risks uh, and, and to overcome possible shortages uh, that may uh, come or, uh, at some point in the future that they can't fully conceive. Okay. The important point about derivatives is that they transform and redefine values independent of this underlying object. And as such, they constitute a, pe a peculiar form of abstr abstraction in which the relationship between the possible and the given is opened up to infinite lines of negotiation and change. Value and meaning are no longer bound to, the to a confined set of alternatives vali validated by any material substance, 
they are rather defined by the speculative potential that things embody within a given circuit of exchange. Okay, so I have to cut it short here. And so basically what I'm, what I'm saying is that the digital mass of ret- refugee property served a, a very similar function. They afforded the refugees with the possibility to convert long-standing legal and political deficits into social and moral obligations and to enforce rights and entitlements in times of radical uncertainty and need. And yet, of course, the derivatives in the Halbaret uh, were not based on, on commodities or natural resources. They were derived from uh, the social capital accrued over decades of shared social struggles, uh, while at the same time investing the social capital that the refugees have picked up over time with a new calculative logic uh, at the moment that these maps became the key currency for the refugees uh, to to enforce their right of entitlement to a home or or to reclaim the land they effectively own. And so it's in this sense uh, that the digital derivatives, the digital maps, uh, pulled their potentially empowering uh, factor into opposing directions, which, which soon brought the strategic imperatives of survival using the maps to kind of reclaim what you had lost, uh, in conflict with the ethical, ethical commitments to preserve and protect what the refugees had lost. And just to, to give you really quick two minutes, okay, uh, an example. Okay. What I mean by that is uh, the moment uh, people were giving away their information and, and, and were sitting with, with uh, the planners and the activists to kind of document uh, the property they were owned, this invitation to kind of, uh, based on your own personal memory, to reclaim the space you privately owned, uh, the fact that everything had gone and no physical proof was, was, was available, of course invited uh, a whole range of new speculations and of radical exaggerations as people in the moment when they had lost everything started to exaggerate what they had for. Owned. So uh, you said uh, more than two years to verify uh, um, uh, the data that, that, that the information that people provided to kind of and, and entered into very complex negotiations between individual property owners and their neighbors to halfway verify uh, what, uh, what was owned by whom and, and, and to what extent uh, in order to, to, to provide a reliable basis for the camp to, re- to be rebuilt. But because very much of this knowledge production was, was based on, on lines of cheating, lines of exaggeration, exaggeration and mere speculation, uh, it also opened up um, new spheres of power where those in a position to finally sign off the, 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 the sheets that certified what you had owned before could abuse their position of power and, and uh, cut away a few square meters here and add it to another resident in exchange for favors, whatever. Um, over time, UNRWA received more and more complaints that this effectively happened and the people were, were, were forced to sign off by those in charge of verifying a refugee property that they were actually given less than they had effectively owned, which then in turn uh, developed into a very intricate compensation mechanism where what you found is that uh, the, the newly constituted Nalbarat uh, Reconstruction Commission granted refugees who claimed to have lost square meters from their original property could earn new shares in buildings that had yet to be rebuilt. So 
in, in a way, this information economy of mapping Martin Halbarat created its own kind of mini stock market in individual shares of refugee property uh, that could be traded amongst the refugees themselves. So if you had lost 50 square meters, you could earn them back in a building that will be finished, uh, let's say, next month. But of course, what the refugee state is, no one has an interest in owning, uh, I don't know, 50 square meters of someone else's apartment. These shares have immediately been turned into capital itself and were, shown, uh, were sold to other refugees. Right? And just for general interest, uh, a square meter, I'm told from inside the camp, is traded at $300 at the moment. So it, it's real and effective money that is actually being made. And so <coughs> I'm giving this example basically just to show um, that the moment, as, as well-meaning and, and, and as well-intended, uh, this collaborative effort of retrieving uh, the social memory of the camp was, I think uh, it fell short in recognizing that, uh, that recollecting the, the, the legacy of decades of struggle, the social memory of local settings, is, is never simply a question of, of retrieving uh, what has been lost uh, from the past it at the same time always inscribes the social memory and the social contracts and commitments bind to it into a new information economy that takes on a life and meaning in and of itself. Uh, and maybe I explain the implications that I see for this, how we think change, how we think struggle, and how we think knowledge as a means uh, of resistance uh, for the Q&A session. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Alex and uh, Monica. So we'll open the floor for questions and comments. Um, if you can state who your question is directed to, and if you want to make a comment, if you can please keep it brief. So, okay. I'm Could I do, uh, okay, we'll take three questions and then we'll have responses and then three and other questions. So, Rosemary. Yeah. Just a quick question to Alex. I'm talking about depoliticization of the Palestinian camps. Shatila in particular, isn't the proximity of the PLO and the PLA embassy actually a political factor that comes, however, in lim however limited way, comes into the picture of politics in the camp? I mean, there are transfers. And Monica, the question I wanted to put to you doesn't UNRWA's commitment to provide shelter, shelter to the Palestinians actually cover claims, legitimate legal claims to? rebuilding their property in, because you said they have no legitimate claims as refugees. But I think that UNRWA uh, makes that pledge in its mission its mandate. And wouldn't that cover their claims to rebuilding their homes and have a family? Other questions or comments? question to, them, to Alex, um, where do you find the um, rule of actors here? Um, we have Fatah, we have the PLO in general, we have the Islamic uh, political parties, and now we have Islamic Jihad. Um, I think from this morning until today, we are talking about refugees as refugees, but we are not talking about the, this uh, 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 political put that gathered those refugees, the uh, political parties that usually are the informal institutions that govern these uh, refugee camps. 
aside from Nahar al-Bad, because Nahar al-Bad, according to the PLO, that we have no sovereignty there, the Lebanese army have, um, and the UNRWA are the one responsible for the Nahar al-Bad. So, we're in, in, in our stage, or in your stage, in general, where you support this um, uh, actors. Um, and second question and comment, I mean, in, in the, um, in the uh, title of your um, uh, uh, session, uh, you say social capital, which is, I mean, it's totally different concept than what I have heard um, here. Social capital is a totally different um, uh, uh, research, disciplinary or subject when uh, it comes to this, um, uh, uh, what you have spoken about, because it's actually my PhD, so that's why it attracted me, like, uh, what is social capital here? Uh, so, um, I, I, I think, oh, the, and I was w- thinking about, uh, even in Lebanon, the Lebanese society, even in downtown Beirut, there's no uh, rights, I mean, for digital stuff. Like, you can go support any CD shop or whatever. So, I, I think we're taking something um, out of context here. So, I think we should also discuss the Lebanese case study in general about uh, uh, rights, uh, digital rights and the stuff and maps and all of these things and then we say like okay this is also reflected on the Palestinians living in Lebanon in the refugee camps in a worse case because they have I mean dehumanized as somebody put it uh, this morning so this is also bring them to a much worse situation in, in this term so that, that's okay. my two comments mm-hmm. So I think this is enough. You know, we have uh, four questions. Would you like to start, Alex? Okay. Um, so to, to answer Rosary's uh, question regarding the Palestinian embassy, is it Palestinian embassy? National, sorry. Uh, yes, sorry, the national embassy. Um, I, I, I would say that it did not appear directly in my, in my <coughs> national authority. Uh, it appears uh, in, the, say in an oblique fashion because uh, in this process of research that I was talking about, in this process of, of um, being able to produce knowledge, um, some uh, of the arguments that I have heard in that oppositional situation between specific groups especially towards the, the popular committees, a part of it relies on um, a political study, a political science study about what are the rules of the PA, of the, of, of, of the, of the, of the national authority, what's, what are the rules of the PLO as well regarding these institutions in order to criticize them. So I don't know if that answers your question, but um, to, to, to answer more directly what you were asking, I didn't find the national authority uh, to appear so much in my, in my study, but maybe it's uh, because I have still, uh, uh, let's say, uh, my, my work could be considered developed uh, on these questions. To answer the second question, um, I think what happened um, is about a month ago uh, with, a, with a colleague from the Franciscans in the Near East, uh, from Ipo, were invited to, 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 to a conversation with the, 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 the main French uh, pro-Palestinian association here in the room. And they started asking us who is ruling the camps. This seems like a very simple question. 
question, same like that. I started, we started making list of all the, uh, all the institutions of the church, like the parties as you, uh, as you put it, but also the NGOs, also the, the uh, associations that are more or less dependent on parties, also uh, uh, family, village, and, uh, and individual networks, also the Palestinian Authority in the way, also uh, the, the PLO, also UNRWA, and so on and so on. We couldn't end it after half an hour. Uh, I all the, and, and the security councils and uh, the cooperation uh, with the Lebanese governments uh, through the uh, LBDC and so on and so forth. Um, I think it would be very important uh, for that line of work to at one point uh, sit down at the table and do a graph with all, absolutely all the institutions that have a hand in managing the Palestinian refugee council of Lebanon because behind the, it is the charge of the parties and the, and the popular committees uh, there is a, 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 a very big number of institutions, um, of institutions more or less formal at play, um, uh, and, and it makes it extremely, extremely clear. Now, to <coughs> more directly your point, uh, where does it, uh, these things come? Well, the rise of the NGOs uh, doesn't appear independently from the parties. It doesn't appear. It, it, does, it doesn't take place independently for, from all these actors, and. NGOs have a, a, a sometimes a complicated past because some of them were created by members of the parties or were created as secondary activities for the parties and then turned more and more into independent organizations. And the same goes with the activists who can still have individual relations, uh, very uh, tight relations with members of the parties or with the parties themselves. But as institutions uh, are very keen on distinguishing themselves from what's uh, relevant. So it is part of a competition. It, it is part of a competition and a cooperation to say what is the reality of the comps, I think. Yeah, so to the first question. Okay, I, I think uh, the, the, the question to what extent UNRWA's commitment and an actually legal mandate to provide housing for the refugees translates into an actual legal obligation, Nalbarit will be a perfect test case to see. What do you do when UNRWA wants and wants desperately but simply doesn't have the funds? And I think that it's an ambivalent and unresolved situation. Um, I haven't researched any other historical precedents, but, but I think the problem lies here uh, in, in this discrepancy between, uh, and you know that very well, uh, people's perceptions of ownership of, of their homes uh, and, and also the long-standing tradition of UNRWA to even underwrite sales contracts of, of refugee property in the camps that kind of uh, makes these individual apartments uh, in the sense of the refugee, their house, right? And it's here on that level. This is my house where you do not have any legal mechanisms to enforce it. UNRWA, this obligation and the commitment may translate into what, what, um, what has been thought about in the past. Uh, they could put a mass housing facility there, cramp entire Nahalbarad inside, legal, legal obligation of, uh, fulfilled. But is that kind of uh, an enforceable legal mechanism for you as an individual refugee family to reclaim your home? No, it's kind of precisely these gray areas that I think are, are, are highly problematic and where, where the maps made, made the critical difference because 
on one hand the the uh, brought back interview what had what has the physical proof that has disappeared uh, where individual families resided and yet at the same time uh, and that brings me to the, to the social capital person this focus on the individual family at the same time undermined this bigger cause of preserving the social communal memory the social contract and commitments that were built into this spatial uh, syntax of the camp. Um, the, because I was running out of time, I fell short in, 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 in elaborating uh, in more detail on the social capital. Basically, the, what I'm saying is uh, what was met was not so, so simply property. Each individual home and the, the local knowledge about who owned what and where and who sold what to whom was a whole kind of... Um, was a very complex set of knowledge about social contracts and mutual obligations that constituted the social capital of this camp. Social capital in the specific context of the camp, I argue, goes far beyond the, the knowledge and the context and relationships you establish to advance your own interests. Uh, the precarious situations of refugee camps immediately also extends this, the value of the social capital to protect collective interests because this local knowledge uh, and, and, and internal kind of trading enables the refugees to maintain themselves as an independent autonomous economic unity. And the moment this knowledge was digitized and became kind of took on a new form, a new kind of material existence circulating uh, uh, across institutional registers that, that had, had nothing to do with the refugees or at least shared not the same logic and social commitment. It's here where the social capital became liquefied like any other resource and inscribed into an information economy that, that started to slowly render even the refugees complicit in the undermining of their own interests. That, I think, is the perfect logic at work here and I didn't have the time to explain it in that's detail. That's right? That's yeah. No, no. Yeah? That makes sense. Okay. Okay, we'll, we'll take a couple more questions or comments. Yes. Okay, first. <laughs> <laughs> بس بكلمته يعني تم تداوله الأمر بالغ الأهمية أنه ليس هناك من عمل دون أجندة سياسية نسميها مصلحة نسميها مؤامرة نسميها رغبة نسميها مخطط نحن أحرق هذه المصلحة أو هذه الأجندة هي التي تم بكل هذه الجديد باعتبار اليوم كثير من الزملاء لفظوا نظرنا وفهمونا انه في شيء جديد صار بالعالم. اسمحوا لنا نقول لهم كمان شو بنعرف عن الجديد. التحكم لم يعد بتفاصيل صار بجدول الاعمال بالاساس. واللي عم بصير كما يعرف كل المتابعين هو لننقل الهم الفلسطيني من هم سياسي موجه تجاه تجاه اسرائيل وان القضيه مع اسرائيل وان مشكله الفلسطيني بالاساس مشكله سياسيه ومع اسرائيل نقلها لتصبح قضيه اجتماعيه 
القضيه الاجتماعيه هامه واللبنانيين ومصريين لكن لسنا حمقى الى درجه ان نحل لبنان محل اسرائيل في دراسات والمتابعين وانا متاكد انه بيعرفوا ثم من يفتخر اننا نجحنا بنقل العقل الفلسطيني في لبنان من عقل سياسي الى عقل اجتماعي هذا اول الامر الاخر اذا كان الامر امر ابحاث علميه صافيه لوجه الله تعالى انا ما سمعت بمئات الاف الدولارات وبملايين الدولارات حدا من هذه الجهات تبرع الى اي مؤسسه بحثيه محترمه ما بدي ادخل بارقام وتفاصيل بس انا بحدود معلوماتي ما حد قال لمؤسسه الدراسات الفلسطينيه تعالي لندعمك لكي تقومي ببحث بشكل او باخر، الملاحظه الاخيره والنهائيه اخطر نتيجه لما يجري هو اننا لم نعد نجد باحث فلسطيني يمكن ان يشتغل خارج الان جي اوز او خارج سميها مجلس خارج المشروع الاجنبي إيه إذا نكلفه ببحث ليشتغل بقضية سياسية فلسطينية أو هو لم يعد يقبل وهذا اللي بفسر أنه لم يعد هناك باحث فلسطيني والزملاء اللي موجودين في لبنان يعرفوا جيدا أنه باستثناء الجيل اللي عم ينقرض ليس هناك مباحثين جدا، طيب هذول وين عم يروحوا؟ هذول الناس ببساطة شديدة عم بيستغرقوا بأبحاث مكررة وبورش عمل لا تنتهي وبمناسبه منافسه غير مشروعه لانه ما بيستطيع اي حدا يدفع الكلفه البارزه اللي عم تدفعها مؤسسات اجنبيه فقط واحيانا خليني اول حتى اكون دقيق فقط لتضيع وقت الناس بابحاث وصرف الاهتمام من الحديث السياسي الى الحديث الاجتماعي. 